A trap game for the Cincinnati Bearcats on Saturday? Ha! You're right. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, thanks so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen of and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Lockdown Bearcats YouTube channel. Hey, we're up to 530 now, subscribers and County, 530. So keep those coming. Follow us, too, to get an alert every time we drop a new episode, which today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up now on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code LOCKDOWN and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Alex Frank, former sports director of Bearcast Media, here with you on this Friday, the day before the Cincinnati Bearcats take on the USF Bulls. Tomorrow at 2.30, that game can be watched on ESPN+. Plus. I should say streamed on ESPN+. Plus. It can also be heard on 102, I'm sorry, 700 WLW beginning at 2 p.m. Dan Hoare, Jim Kelly Jr., and Mo Egger will have the call. Cincinnati looking for their 30th straight home victory at Nippert Stadium. Luke Fickle looking to get his 53rd win as Bearcats head coach. That would tie Rick Minter for the all-time lead in Bearcats football history. Russ Heltman and I talked about this yesterday. If you listen to our conversation, thanks to him for coming on. As always, my colleague at All Bearcats and Sports Illustrated. Um, we talked about that Luke Fickle in this team, this program, does not believe in trap games. And so what I did was I went back over the last five years, the first five years of the Fickle era, and I looked at the trap games that the Cincinnati Bearcats played in. Now, trap games are subjective because you might view them, you might view a game that's, uh, you might view a game as a trap game that I don't. I might view a trap game that you personally don't, and that's okay. That's why it's subjective. It's subjected to one's own opinion. So I've got... My list of trap games for the Cincinnati Bearcats. Um, and by the way, they won every one of these games. 2017, they beat Austin P. God, that feels like a lifetime ago. Um, I know they use that expression a lot, by the way. And then they beat Miami on the road 21-17. They trailed 17-6 in the fourth quarter. 2018, South Florida, their opponent tomorrow. They beat them 35-23. That was the game before UCF, college game day, primetime ABC. USF had come in losing two straight. 2019, Marshall was a trap game. It's the week before UCF, Friday night lights. They beat him 52-14. And then the game after UCF, they beat Houston on the road by 15-38-23. USF on the road, they weren't very good that year. I believe they were 4-5 and five or 3-6 and six going into that game. I'll have to go back and look. They won 20 to 17. That was the week before Temple. But if you remember, they had to come back from down, I believe, 17 0 in that game. There weren't any trap games in 2020. Last year, there were four. Uh, Indiana, they won there 38 24. That was, I view that as a trap game because it was the game before Notre Dame, and Indiana was still Big Ten on the road. They had high expectations. It was family day, rabid fan base, rabid crowd. Bearcats won that game. Game after Notre Dame, Temple, short week, took care of business there 52 3. They won at USF 45-28 the week after game day, the week before SMU. And then their final regular season game, they went to ECU, a very good ECU team, and beat them by 22-35-13. So, 
The point is they're undefeated in quote-unquote trap games, and they've gotten better at just dominating those games. And I remember being in the student section, and this was, gosh, my 15th day as a student at the University of Cincinnati, 15 days into my first semester as a Bearcat. And what I remember was the Bearcats struggled in that game. I mean, Austin P was primed for an upset seemingly the whole night. Bearcats somehow managed to pull away from that game. And if you really want to go into it, um, we can look at the – this is going to be fun. If you want to look at the stat sheet from that game and look at the players who were here that day, I mean, there are only maybe – I can name one for sure in Wilson Huber, but maybe two. I don't remember if Jabari Taylor was here in 2017 or not. But, I mean, that game, the Bearcats, that was the first game of the Luke Fickle era. And there were high expectations. Um, I thought they could go 8-4. and four. That was, you know, that didn't happen. They went 4-8, and eight, the complete opposite of 8-4. and four. So, the point is this. They've gone from being a program who could barely beat Austin P before they went to Michigan. And they, they held their own there for three quarters. They have come to a point where they can now go into Bloomington, Indiana and beat a very good Indiana team by 14. And then, or I should say, before the biggest game in school history in Notre Dame. That's how far this program has come. And I do agree with Russ that they don't believe in trap games. Because this is a program that they can dominate trap games. You can go play at Tulsa after beating Indiana by 21 when Tyler Scott becomes the first Bearcat wide receiver with three touchdowns in the first half. Every game this team approaches the same with the mindset of they want to dominate you. Sure, they might have a different approach or a different emphasis. I'm sorry, a different emphasis on the games. I mean, UCF, Navy, and teams like that, Miami, excuse me, sorry, my voice cracked. Um, that was weird. Um, they'll get special attention. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, they'll get different emphasis because it means more. It's a bigger game and Luke Fickle will adjust the emphasis for that. Aside from that, I mean, Tulsa and USF, the approach is the same. They want to dominate. And I know the Bearcats only beat Tulsa by 10. If you're going to come back at me with that, that's fine. Did you see how well the Bearcats defense played? Most sacks since 2000, uh, most sacks since like 2002 and most tackles for loss since 2007. I mean, those, those don't just happen and you overlook them because you want to complain about you only won by 10 at Tulsa. Tulsa is not a bad football team. And if you've watched the previous four games, three games against them, you would know that. And you do listening to this podcast. So, the approach of every game for Cincinnati is a mindset of domination. And that's what you want to see tomorrow against South Florida. And why this could be viewed as a trap game? Well, it's the game before the bye. You've been at it since fall camp started in early August. So you've been going nonstop, full intensity for two months. You just went on the road and played a very good physical Tulsa team. You've played Indiana. You played your rivalry you played your home opener. You played your season opener. Every game 
has a meaning behind it. You know, there's a saying in the Michigan football facility, and I'm going to bring Michigan into this because I, I just thought of this and what I'm trying to say here. So there's a saying in the Michigan football facility that says there are 365 days a year, but only 12 of them count. So every single game, particularly at the college level, means something. A, because it's a game, and B, because you can come up with a meaning for any game. What's the meaning of this game? Well, it's the game before the bye. It's you're looking for your 30th straight home win, which only one other program in, around the country has in college football, and that's Clemson. You're looking for um, it's homecoming. That's that's a very significant meaning. Uh, excuse me, sorry. Um, Luke Fickle's looking for his 53rd win as a Bearcats head coach, which would tie him for Rick Minter all time, although I don't think he's even thinking about that. There is a meaning to this game. Absolutely. And trap game purposes, it's the game before the bye and before you play SMU and UCF. The two games that will make or break the Bearcats season. These two games right here. SMU and UCF, and we will get into those in a few weeks. That's going to be some fun, some fun content. But this game matters first because it's the next game on the schedule and you got to take care of business and you can't fall into this being a trap game. Which coming up, I'm going to tell you why, despite the Bearcats' great track record in quote-unquote trap games, USF is a little bit different. And we will get into that after this word from Underdog. This episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to sign up or rather spice up college football season. So, it's easy to play and available in over 30 states. You just pick between two and five players across any team, not just the Bearcats, and decide if they will finish higher or lower. It's one of the easiest fantasy to play games out there, and you can win cold, hard cash in a single game. That came out in a Southern accent. I am sorry. Sign up with the promo code Locked On, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Deposit $100, get $100 free. Go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store. That's Underdog Fantasy promo code Locked On. Get in on the college football pick'em action today. All right, so USF is a really interesting, weird opponent for Cincinnati. Um. There obviously have been some big Bearcats-USF games over the years. We know 2009, Tony Pike gets hurt. Zach Kolaris runs in a 75-yard touchdown, a game that, that featured two top 25 teams in a rabid crowd down at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa. Um, obviously, one of the more disappointing games was 2015 when the Bearcats got beat 65-27, to 27, I think. Or it was 65 uh it was, it was one of those. E- either way, it wasn't very good. Actually, I have those results right here. Um, I really don't know why I'm even bringing that up. Okay, you get the point. Um, and then, of course, 2018, big game, nip and night. Uh, Cincinnati wins 35-23. But you look at some of the games over the years, and I think you always leave that game against USF. Just like, how did that game be... How was that game so close? How was that game? Um, like just how did the Bearcats now win that game by more than 20 or 30 points? 
you really do wonder that. Like 2019, when the Bearcats went down to Tampa and they, they did not lead until they won the game. And then 2020, when Desmond Ritter throws three picks in a game that was sloppier than any game I've ever seen, Cincinnati wins that game 28-7. to It didn't feel that way. I mean, I think the teams combined for eight turnovers that day. Now, that was a weird day, a weird game, a weird season. That was during COVID. No fans were in the stands. Um, Zach Freeze and I were commentating that game from outside because we weren't allowed to have our booth in the press box, which that's another story. Like, it was a, it was a very, very weird game. But even last year, like, I went back and looked at some of the stats from that game, and it's not like USF had a bunch of rushing yards or a bunch of passing yards. They had a pick six to start the game, and then Cincinnati ended up getting to a 38-17 lead. But, I mean, it was it was just a, you know, a game that you walked away from. That game should have been a lot more lopsided than it was. At one point in the fourth quarter, it was 38-28. And then Ryan Montgomery ripped off a 50-plus-yard touchdown to close things out. But USF is not good. And I think that's what frustrates me. It's what frustrates all of you listening to this and any Bearcats fan out there. The Bearcats against USF should dominate every single year. USF is not a good program. They're not. They've had some good years. I will acknowledge that. But they have not been good since, essentially, Quentin Flowers left. And he was Desmond Ritter before Desmond Ritter. And now Desmond Ritter is the best quarterback to ever come through this conference. Like, USF, since the Bearcats beat them the last time they played USF in front of a capacity crowd in Nippert Stadium. The um, USF was 7-2 and two coming into that game. 7-2. and two. They're 8-36 and 36 since then. And obviously a lot's happened. Like this is a program that's undergone five different head football coaches, three different athletic directors, three different school presidents. That's not ideal for stability. But what it is, is a program that is just, you know, right now they're struggling. You know, their quarterback, a transfer, Jerry Bohannon from Baylor, I think that gave, that, that casted some high expectations. He has been... Average at best this year. He has more touch, he has more interceptions than touchdowns, and it's a two-to-one ratio. Six interceptions, three touchdowns. They run the ball well, but defensively they're not very good. They're sluggish in the first half. Jeff Scott, their head coach, former Clemson offensive coordinator, Jeff Scott talked about that earlier this week and saying that they got to execute better in the first half. I mean, ECU was up 41-7 on them on a neutral site. And, and I know ECU is a good football team. And speaking of trap game, that might be a huge trap game later this season for the Bearcats. But my thing is, this is a game the Bearcats, and Russ and I mentioned this yesterday, if you listened to our show yesterday, which you can always go back and listen to on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we mentioned this, that this should be a game the Bearcats can do whatever they want. This is a game where they can try some new things, they can really open up their offensive playbook. You know, they can get after it defensively. Like, this is the game to do it. And we always say that when the Bearcats play USF. But the last few years has not been a fun walk in the park with the Bulls. It's been very hard. 
Like, it's been very, very hard. This year can't be that way. So let's get into my keys to the game. Um, first up, you got to make USF one-dimensional. Because like I said, they can the ball. They average over about they average over 170 yards rushing per game. But the one thing that the Bulls can't do is throw the ball. Like they have a new quarterback in Jerry Bohannon. Last year, their quarterback was named Timmy McClain, who essentially looked like Pac-Man against the Bearcats last year because he was not getting sacked. He was elusive. So you got to make USF one-dimensional. Make them throw the ball. Because that will then open up opportunities for Javon Hicks, who has two picks this year. It'll open the door for the for the defense, Malik, uh, Jawan Briggs and uh, uh, Jabari Taylor, for a defense that had 11 sacks last week. If you can stop the run right off the bat, it's going to be a long day for the Bulls' offense, which isn't very good to begin with. If you can make, if you can force them into mistakes by throwing the ball, which is what they did in 2020, the Bearcats are going to be just fine. And I'm not saying this is a big game, but I am saying that there are some keys to the game. You got to make them one dimensional. You got to force Jerry Bohannon into mistakes. Um, run the ball. Classic game where the run can open up the pass for Cincinnati. This is the Bearcats' offense. They got to be able to run the ball. Run the ball and allow your receivers to get open. You know. Allow your receivers like Tyler Scott to run deep. You know, let Jaden Thompson get open. You know, utilize your tight ends in Wiley and Taylor. You know, they only have 24 combined catches so far. But what's interesting is the way they're being used. They're being used to open up the passing game, Wiley and Taylor, because teams are so focused on them. Well, now they got to focus on Tyler Scott, who's got a touchdown in four straight games. You got to focus on Nick Mardner and Jaden Thompson and you got to focus on the ground game. Wiley and Taylor have not had, you know, a huge impact recently, but they're still very important parts of this team. So running the football is going to set up the passing game, which is still a big part of this offense. You know, even through five games, including last week's sort of struggle in the passing game, the Bearcats are averaging 295 passing yards per game. So there you go. Um, my other key, my third key to the game, feed off the home crowd, right? It's a sellout, which is really amazing because I think to a casual Bearcats fan, like I'm going to be honest, USF doesn't excite me as much as UCF or, um, Arkansas, Miami, Indiana, because it's USF. We know they're not very good, but the fact that the university is still able to get a sellout for this game is amazing because people want to come watch the Bearcats play. They know they are a huge part of their 29 straight home wins, which remember how I said earlier in the show, their trap game history goes from barely being able to beat Austin P to now being able to go into Indiana and win two weeks before you play at Notre Dame. Well, now the Nipper stadium crowd has gone from being maybe half full against UConn. Remember when they were in the AAC UConn, to now being sold out even when only a, a school like USF comes into town. It really is amazing when you think about it. So it's a sellout crowd. You got to feed off of that. You got to play like a top 25 team, and you got to dominate a bad team, right? The crowd knows USF isn't very good. Like, 
if the I mean the Bearcats can generate a lot of momentum right away. If they get the ball first, you know, they can go down, score a touchdown, get the crowd into it. USF is already playing from behind before their offense even takes the field. Or if the Bearcats are on defense first, they can um um they can go out there, get a stop, you know, get the crowd fired up, and then USF, you know, they already know they're not gonna have a successful day offensively. Now they got to stop the Bearcats high octane offense that has scored over 40 points twice already this season and has scored over 30 points in every game, but one. And Oh, by the way, they could have had they made two field goals in Fayetteville. So this is going to, so, I mean, this is a, I mean, another bread and butter game for Cincinnati because USF is a struggling football team, right? The bulls we know are not very good. But we know they played Cincinnati tough in years past. And just like Tulsa was going to get Cincinnati's best shot, I expect USF to give the Bearcats their best shot. They did last year in Tampa, and they could very well do again, do it again this year in Nippert Stadium. All right, we'll be back for my uh, final thoughts on the game, the matchup to watch, uh, and then my score prediction for tomorrow's game between the Bearcats and USF. That's coming up after a word from two of our sponsors. All right, so the Cincinnati Bearcats, USF tomorrow, Nippert Stadium, 2.30, ESPN+. Plus. Um, I am not sure who is calling the game on ESPN+. Plus. I do know if you're listening to it on 700 WLW that, that our good buddies, Dan Horde, Jim Kelly Jr., and Mel Egger will have the call beginning at um, – Two o'clock, and the TV play-by-play crew is Richard Cross, Taylor McHargue, McHarg. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Taylor McHargue. I feel like I know who she is. Uh, anyway, so you'll have to stream the game on ESPN Plus, which I cannot wait till we don't have to do that in the Big Twelve. Uh, anyway, although you might have to, but the Big Twelve now on ESPN Plus. Anyway, so the matchup of the game for me is. USF's running game against Ivan Pace and the Bearcats defense, right? If you're able to, um, if you're able to stop the run game, if Ivan Pace is able to, you know, continue to build off the season he's having. And by the way, I mean, when you read in rankings, it's ridiculous. He leads the country in tackles for loss with 13 and a half. That's four more than the next closest player. Ranks number two in the country with six sacks. He's number five with 11.2 tackles per game. Closing in on the top 10 in single-season school history in tackles for loss, 17 and a half, and sacks at eight. And you have to think he's going to get there maybe this week. Um, and by the way, his last game he played at Nippert Stadium, he only had 15 tackles, four and a half tackles for loss, two and a half sacks, and three quarterback hurries. D- defensive player of the year in the conference, and he won uh, Chuck Bednarik National Player of the Week honors. Um... Luke Fickle calls him a fireball for good reason. Um, pro football focus, excuse me, um, top linebacker in the country with a 92.7 rating. That's higher than any player at the position in the country. Uh, 28 quarterback hits. That's the most in the nation. We are literally watching an All-American, right? We are literally watching a mid-round draft pick maybe become a first-round draft pick. I mean, wouldn't that be something if the Cincinnati Bearcats in back-to-back years produced first-round draft picks? Something they had not accomplished 
since 1971 prior to this season. I mean, that's that's the kind of football we're watching with Ivan Pace Jr. And it's really fun to watch. It really is. So we look at um, this game. And Ivan Pace is terrific in the run game. Like he's got to know where the ball is going because USF, from what I've seen in years past, they will run some misdirection. You know, they have some speed. They have some fast players. They're elusive. And they can sometimes be hard to tackle. But Ivan Pace just has to play at his dominating level, which he has done through the first five games of the season. If he can do that, USF, I think, has no chance in this game. When you think about the Bulls and how much they've been outscored by in the first half, which I forget the exact number. I think it might be like 76 to 22 or something. That's bad. I mean, that's really bad. I mean, they were outscored 41-7 in the first half last week by ECU. You have to think Cincinnati can do that. I think Cincinnati will. I think it's going to be a very, very close game. Uh, what did I just say? Um, Disregard that. Um, we all have brain parts. Um, if the Bearcats can knock out USF in the first half, this game is over. This game might be over before halftime. I'll say the Bearcats win 55-17. I want to feel really good about this team going into the bye week. I really do. Because you can't... Remember uh, 2020. They barely beat USF 28-7. It felt like barely because the game was so awful was so badly played. I want to be at a point where we are feeling really good about this team. They did what they were supposed to do against the Bulls. They're 5-1. and one. They're ranked in the top 25. And they've got their two-game gauntlet at SMU and UCF coming up. That's where I want to be Saturday night when I talk to you all again. As far as how we're going to handle the bye week shows, so Tuesday we're going to talk about the turning points of the first half. And if you're and if you're gonna criticize, you know, that the Bearcats should have put in Evan Prater at the first half, at the end of the first half against Arkansas, started the second half. Sorry, that wasn't gonna happen. First half rewards on Wednesday. Did I say rewards? I meant to say awards. Offensive and defensive MVPs, breakout players, players with most to prove. I'll give my overall grades for the offense, defense, and special teams. And then we'll go from there. Russ Heltman will join me on Thursday for the uh, look back at the USF game and first half of the season. Friday, Russ will be back again. We're going to deviate a little bit. We're going to go talk some hoops. First, uh, really main show with basketball on it. We're going to do a basketball preview show. Monday, uh, our director of basketball recruiting over at Sports Illustrated, Jason Jordan. We're going to talk about Jizzy James, Isaiah Collier, Flory Badunga, and so much more. I'll do my basketball preview show Tuesday. That'll be Tuesday the 18th. And then before you know it, we are back and better than ever on Wednesday as we lead into a very big game with the SMU Mustangs uh, Saturday night. Please don't make that game a 7 o'clock kickoff. It probably will be, though. Hell, it might even be a 9 o'clock kickoff, which would be even worse. So that's what we got going for you. Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, how about for your second listen? Get more on the Big 12 by making Lockdown Big 12 your second listen. Everyday host Josh Neighbors 
and the local experts of Locked On take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Locked On Big 12, your second listen, that's Locked On Big 12. As for me, you can follow me on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's, N-N-A-T-I. You can also follow me on Instagram, AlexFrank9 underscore, or email me at Alex3Frank at gmail.com. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. I'm Alex Frank. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the game tomorrow. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Uh, please be safe wherever you're watching the game. If you're going to the game, it is homecoming. Have a great time, but please be safe. Be healthy so you can keep making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. And quite frankly, live a high-quality life like you deserve. Like you and I both deserve. I'm Alex Frank for the Lockdown Bearcats podcast. Have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the game tomorrow, and I will talk to you tomorrow night after the Bearcats and Bulls right here on Lockdown Bearcats.